0: The night is dark, the sky alive with the twinkling of stars. And as you gaze to the heavens to stare into the infinite of space, you see something move, something large, a craft. Then the next thing you know, you're awake miles away in an unfamiliar territory with no idea what happened to the last seven hours of your life. This may sound like science fiction, but believe it or not, this has happened more than you would be comfortable knowing. Tonight, we discuss a very strange encounter the alien abduction of Michelle DeMarquet with guest Samuel Chong. That and more when we return to the best in paranormal podcasting. This is The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this. Below well, no. He won't know he doesn't stand for baloney sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me supernatural perhaps baloney perhaps not Hello, my little darklings, and thank you so much for joining me here. I know we had a bit of a snafu, a technical freak out on Friday night's show, and I wish I knew what happened. I'm going to blame it on solar flares, perhaps alien intervention. I'm not sure what happened. I, of course, pre-recorded the news segment because I was out of town at the event uh, in Chicago, Joliet, at the Joliet State Prison, and... Had it all loaded up, ready to go, fired off the first 15 minutes. And as soon as we start talking about the dark demonic realm, all hell broke loose. We froze up. But you guys are troopers, man. I kept checking in and you guys were hanging in there, I think, for a half an hour into just buffering. I have uploaded the entire episode of the video podcast onto YouTube now, so you can go see the entire episode there. Those of you listening to the audio got the complete audio because that goes up through a different format, but I wanted to let everybody know that was praying for me, sending good vibes my way, trying to uh, do whatever they can to protect me from whatever evil might exist out there, trying to knock me offline. Listen, technology happens. We're in an environment, a world now where things break down. And we've had unprecedented solar flares and strange activity taking place, so I'm just going to blame it on that. I don't know if Mercury's in retrograde, but I'm getting tired of blaming that same old thing. Hey, I wanted to start tonight's show with something a little special. We're going to get started with our guest in a few moments, but today is a very important day for me. Today, 13 years ago, was the birth of my last biological child. That's right, Damian Six Schrader was born today, 13 years ago. What's so remarkable about that, Dave? Babies are born all the time. Well, my son, my son wanted to come early. He didn't want to hang out in mom's womb too long, and he decided that, oh, about two and a half months early, it was a good time for him to show up. So today, August 8th, 2009, Damien Schrader was born, barely weighing in at two pounds. He was about 11 inches, 12 inches long, very small little guy and a fighter. Now, his mom had preeclampsia. They had to induce labor to get the baby out to save her life and the baby's life. And thankfully, they did. It was a tumultuous time, and I'll tell you, I came online to all of the listeners across the world, and I posted on my social media a heartfelt prayer and healing request. My son was in for a long journey, very long journey. He was almost two and a half months premature. The doctor told me he would be in there the two and a half months plus, most likely, another three months in the ICU, and they would be taking care of him in the neonatal intensive care unit during that time. And nothing was guaranteed. That's terrifying. First of all, the girlfriend almost died from preeclampsia and almost died giving birth. He was born and in immediate distress. And I put out the prayer request and you all answered. And I can't thank you enough. I I believe in prayer requests. I believe in the power of coming together, setting intentions, setting positivity in motion good thoughts, sending love along those lines. I believe that they do have an impact and an effect. And it's proven here to me, because again, this little fighter, we were told he couldn't go home till he could swallow, meaning he could drink and and get his own sustenance. He had to breathe on his own and he had to maintain his own body heat. They said that alone was going to take two months. I want you to know my son was home in two weeks. Just let that soak in two weeks. Thousands of you poured in with emails and messages of love and support, and he has never looked back. My son is now 13. He is officially a teen. This is Damien Six Schrader today with his special buddy Hans. Hans Holzer Schrader, our dog, cuddled up next to him as we watch movies together. And I just wanted to let you know that the power of prayer works The coming together in a unified front, setting intention, I believe we can move mountains. And I've seen it done for hundreds of others throughout the years that we've done the shows and uh, that I've promoted it on my social media. But today is especially impactful. My boy made it. He's 13 years old. He's doing well. There's been some health issues along the way, but nothing that he has not overcome with flying colors. So thank you all for being a part of that, and thank you for the many prayers and healing and positivity, and good energy that you've given all of those that we've thrown up for prayer and healing requests. I thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. We're going to be talking about aliens here tonight. And I know we do a Pond Further Review where we go back and review old movies that came out and uh, make my friends sit through them and then weigh in on it. Do they still hold up? Well, one of my favorite movie franchises is Aliens and Predator. I've, I've loved both. Well, Hulu has a special movie that was just released over the weekend. It's a movie called Prey. And if that logo looks familiar to you, for those of you watching the video, that's because it is the Predator's font. It's an original film, August 5th, only on Hulu. It's out and available right now. And this is, in essence, a prequel to the Predator series, where it takes place when the Native American tribes were running free and had the American countryside to themselves. And the Predator comes calling. I wasn't sure I felt about this. The last few have been kind of dodgy and not one of the best uh, examples of the movies. I really enjoyed the first two and the rest have been a little bit out there. But this one went back to basics and made it really entertaining. A lot of fun. Some interesting nods to future movies. And uh, I will tell you, from the bottom of my heart, I believe this movie is so well done, so well created and acted. I'm sure you're going to absolutely love it. So check it out and see for yourself if you haven't had a chance to uh, watch any of the Predator movies. This may be a great place for you to start off. Uh, you've got a strong protagonist. You've got, uh, of course, becoming the reluctant hero. You've got a strange, fascinating-looking new Predator that we get to see. And and for us, it's new. For them, it's ancient. You can see one of their original um I guess, incarnations before it continued to evolve. So check out Prey out of five phantoms, one meaning it sucks, five means it's amazing. I'm going to give this a solid four and a half phantoms on the movie meter. so make sure you go check out Prey. It's on Hulu now, and I'm sure it'll be on other formats soon. That is a great alien movie. And who isn't fascinated by the alien concept and all of the movies that have come before and given us all these different interesting aspects of what it means to come into contact with an alien species. Well, tonight we've got a gentleman joining us who has a unique perspective on the. Samuel Chong is a um, certified court interpreter and Chinese translator in uh, Los Angeles, and he had the pleasure of meeting uh, Michelle DeMarquet and uh, and came here to share the story with us and talk about the tale of this abduction and what was learned and talk to us about the book that was released to do this. So help us welcome right here to the Paranormal 60, Samuel Chong. Mr. Chong, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me here. Uh,
0: This is a fascinating story, and I I need to know. I mean, this was something you said you you just kind of stumbled upon in your search for other information. When you find this book, which is very limited printing, very hard to find originally, when you find this book and you read through it, Talk to me about what your initial perceptions were.
1: Okay. I found this book on Amazon, but I didn't buy it from Amazon. I borrowed it from public library. And after reading the book, I thought this book has to be true because everything it says in the book resonates to what I was thinking about, what I was puzzling about, what I was questioning about, because I was always curious about uh, the mysteries in the world, such as the Bermuda Triangle, the Great Pyramid, the stories in the Bible, and also some of the other interesting uh, natural phenomena, such as ghosts, haunted houses. I wanted to find out what the reasons were for those kind of uh, strange and paranormal phenomena. I was thinking... We on Earth are not that knowledgeable about these facts. Why don't we learn from the ETs who have uh, advanced civilization? They can just tell us the answers. And I was looking for the answers and I found this book and it answered all my questions, basically all
0: my questions. So basically, this book is the Cliff's Note version of life and all the mysteries contained within. Well, when somebody makes a grandiose claim, like here are the answers to all of the questions that you've had regarding history and our place in the universe and our life and life after life. And I mean, that's a pretty tall order to set up. And you believe that that Michelle truly did live up to that order and and did share this information. And, and as you said, it resonated with you. All these years later, does it continue to resonate the same now that you've seen the many translations spoken to the man yourself? Did it live up to your expectations?
1: Yes. What's interesting about this book is that it contains details that are verifiable, especially mm-hmm. if it's a new evidence coming up from the scientific communities and also from other kind of researches, the evidence keeps coming out. It's not like uh, other books which uh, talk about uh, general ideas and maybe some kind of uh, general philosophies. This book is very specific about certain facts. And and I don't think uh, anyone could have written this without uh, such direct knowledge uh, or direct experience or, or being informed by um, an EP or uh, people with a, a high highly advanced civilization. Uh, I can give you just one example. In this book, it talks about uh, a tomb of Jesus Christ in Shingo Village, Japan. Uh, Remember this book was written- No, wait,
0: wait. You just roll over that, Uh, right? So many people believe Jesus Christ is in Jerusalem somewhere buried in a cave, or at least he was for a short period of time. And you just dropped a knowledge bomb on people that there is a, a tomb in Japan where Jesus Christ supposedly- laid the rest finally. You're going to need to roll that back for us a second and then go back into the story.
1: I was um, kind of astonished and shocked about this fact written in the book. And I did a search on the internet. There is a tomb of Jesus Christ in Shingo village, Japan. You Remember, this book was written in the late 80s. And the author, Michel de Marquet, never visited Japan in his entire life. How could he have known about the tomb of Jesus Christ in Shingo Village, Japan. What about the Jesus in Jerusalem? What about the Christ uh, that performed all the miracles? And this Mm -hmm. book explains all the uh, answers that I was looking for. Um, Just to tell something about me, I didn't believe a single word written in the Bible before I read this book. Not a single word. It just didn't make sense to me. And this book connects all the doubts about the stories in the Bible. It made me believe that the Bible was uh, a record of historical facts.
0: Fascinating. Well, let's, let's get into this. Give us a little background, if you would, so that we understand our protagonist in today's tale, right? Michel DeMarquet, tell me a little bit about this man and his background and how it came to be that he was abducted and given this knowledge. So he was
1: a typical Frenchman who was born in Normandy, France. And uh, he later visited uh, or uh, lived in Africa and visited uh, a lot of other countries before residing or located himself in Australia. And uh, one night, um, unexpectedly, he was uh, uh, waking up in the middle of the night. And then he wrote a note saying that I would be gone for 10 days there's absolutely no need to worry about me he left a note to his wife and then he just uh didn't know why he walked um, to his um, yard and he was lifted up and then he was taken away by this group of uh, very beautiful ets uh, to their planet for for nine days and then came back and he received a a lot of knowledge and a lot of information on the way and on the way on the way back here
0: now, these aliens, you mentioned them as being beautiful. Are we talking, you know, obviously the reptilians and greys are not lumped into that classification normally as being these beautiful beings. The Nordics and and uh, Palladians and some of them seem to fit more into that uh, general aesthetic. What brand or branch of aliens do you believe that he did come into contact with?
1: Well, I believe he was in touch with the highest uh, form of um uh, Aliens. I would say the aliens that lived on the highest categories of planets. Uh, According to the book, there are nine different categories of planets Mm -hmm. in in the universe. We are uh, on category one. They're on category nine. Uh, They are uh, able of
0: uh, doing a lot of... Wait a minute. We're on level one. They're up (laughs) in level nine. So we're kind of the goldfish. They're the... The, the Megasaurus in the water, they're the, they're the prime apex uh, <laughs> creatures then.
1: Yes, they're they are highly okay. evolved and highly advanced. Okay. Yeah, and uh, they're very beautiful in the sense that they're blonde, they're nine, nine foot tall, they're hermaphrodites, uh, male and female um, in, in one physical body.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: they can do a lot of things that we, um, some of us cannot do, most of us cannot do. For example, they can levitate at will they can uh, materialize objects they can uh, telepath they can do a lot of telepathy they can communicate uh, uh, in different languages almost all the languages in the world they can see auras or human energy fields and they can uh, heal they can recover people from the dead like jesus christ so they they are highly evolved and in fact there is a connection between them and Jesus Christ. So I'm, I'm talking about this because uh, this actually. Amazing. I was going to
0: say this sounds the way you're describing them and the way that art has represented uh, angels as this kind of uh, asexual, beautiful, perfect looking being. It seems like that's what you're you're almost describing to me in something of of unbelievable power that can resurrect the dead, that can do all of these things, levitation, flight, things like that, that we would kind of ascribe to the angelic realm. Do you believe that these aliens are what our ancestors believed to be um, angels?
1: I do. I do believe so, because uh, originally in the Bible, it talks about uh, uh, Jehovah, Mm -hmm. And Jehovah is actually different from God, according to this book. Jehovah is actually them. Uh, The name of their planet is called uh, Jehovah, which is uh, sound a little similar to Jehovah. Um, And I think uh, uh, it uh, explains uh, everything, a lot of things uh, written in the Bible, like the angels coming to earth and doing a lot of things. And actually, they have been guiding us throughout history, uh, throughout um, a lot of uh, the ancient past. And um, I think a lot of uh, other cultures talk about the chariots of fire and the angels and goddesses, and I believe uh, there's a connection over there.
0: okay. So these beings take Michelle aboard their craft. Is this against his will I mean, The word abduction is used when the story is told, but it almost seems as though he wrote a note. He walked out in the field of free will, willingness to do this. But if these beings are so powerful, it appears that they were controlling him in some sort. Is this abduction or is this a free will experience?
1: I will say in the very beginning, this is an abduction against uh, Michel de Marquise's free will because he didn't know what to expect. But after he aborted the ship, he actually enjoyed his experience—the um, experience of being on a highly, highly uh, sophisticated spaceship, and being taken by this highly group of highly evolved aliens or ETs to their highly evolved and advanced advanced planet, very beautiful planet—and then he was actually very enjoyable in uh, very in, enjoying his experience because he felt love. Um, from this group of aliens. He, he didn't really want to return back to Earth. He, he really uh, didn't, he really forgot his families on Earth. He wanted to stay on, on the planet Dioba, And then after he got back to Earth, he was uh, really depressed because he really didn't want to stay on Earth, but he, he knew that he had to write a book and tell everything that happened to him.
0: It also sounds, Samuel, like you're describing a near-death experience. People that have gone, maybe not physically, but spiritually, energetically to another realm where they've confronted these beautiful light beings, and they feel this sense of security, love, warmth, and comfort, and they don't want to come back. And And many people that have returned from near-death experiences deal with this guilt, this this disconnection from our current reality and wanting to get back to whatever that was.
1: Exactly. Actually, the author in the book explains what uh, near-death experiences are, and I think it makes perfect sense to me in the sense that uh, we do have souls. We have astral bodies uh, incorporated into our physical body. So when we die, our astral body leaves our body and goes mm-hmm. into a tunnel, and then experience uh, uh, like uh, unconditional love and also this kind of uh, very perfect feeling of a uh, of, uh, very good experience. And then there's a the life review process. I, I think uh, this book is uh, amazing in the sense that it explains a lot of the interesting facts and in- interesting experiences that people actually do experience on Earth.
0: All right, well, let me ask you this. You know, um, a lot of alien abductees will talk about themselves feeling their body float and they'll go through walls, through windows, They'll find themselves on these craft and then returned later. Do you believe that it is the astral form that most are actually being abducted by as opposed to a physical form?
1: Well, I think uh, for some of them, they may be abducted uh, in their uh, astral or, or like non-physical form uh, there mm-hmm. may be some abductions uh, that are uh, done in physical form but we have to dis- distinguish the real abductions and some of the other uh, supposedly abduction experiences by some understand the, yeah horrifying experiences because i heard i don't know whether that's true or not there are secret government programs that do create those kind of experiences and and there's a way to distinguish the real abduction experiences versus the created experiences. In this book, I find that very interesting that uh, after the author was taken on their spaceship, Mm -hmm. they disinfected him using yellow light and blue light. They're saying that uh, the bacteria on Earth are very different from their bacteria on their planet Mm -hmm. and it's going to affect their health so they disinfected them uh, or the other using using blue light and yellow light. I think um, for real abduction experiences uh, disinfection process is necessary.
0: All right I would think that in some cases of these uh, what do they call them false uh, I'm trying to remember the 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 term that's used when it's something the government has supplanted these false memories in people. Um, and some of them have also felt that they've gone through a cleansing situation. Uh, do you think that that's because the government is trying to replicate as closely as they can the true abduction scenario? Uh,
1: I, I think uh, that might be the case. But what separates uh, Michel Michelle kaigs experience is that uh, he was informed about a lot of uh, knowledge, knowledge about um, uh, interesting um, paranormal phenomena on Earth, uh, like mysteries on Earth, while the mm. other experiences don't necessarily have those kind of similar knowledge um, received by the abductees. I think, uh, like uh, if they're able to abduct us, coming from ancient or from far away planets, they should have uh, sufficient knowledge about uh, certain things on Earth. They should uh, help us. Otherwise, if their goal is to invade us or take us away, they would have done that uh, many years ago or millions of years ago or thousands of years ago. They wouldn't have waited for such a long time. So I think uh, the ETs that are real, um, those are just uh, ETs that are highly evolved and are trying to help us, to guide us mm-hmm. to the right directions in life.
0: All right. So in this journey, he's gone for 10 days as as Earth passes, obviously, right? That's what he said he would be gone for. Did he feel he was gone for a longer period of time than 10 days, or did he feel that it was, you know, equating to the same uh, time structure and constraints that we're used to here on Earth?
1: Uh, he felt uh, the, the time on Earth and the time on Theoba, that planet, uh, is about the same. He okay. actually... Uh, Didn't know that they were sending him back. He was uh, thinking Mm -hmm. that they would uh, take him to another planet, and maybe visit another continent on that planet. When he was told that he was uh, coming home to Earth, he was uh, really sad because uh, he really wanted to stay there forever. He forgot about his loved family on Earth.
0: Did he encounter... Um, other species aside from these angelic aliens, were there more humans there? Were there Raelians, Palladians, l- uh, lizards? You know, what 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 was his overall take from that?
1: Well, he actually was shown different um, ETs or different aliens from other planets. He actually com- uh, talked or conversed with an ET from a different planet. And he actually saw about 200 bodies of other ETs from other planets. And some of them look like us a little bit, some of them look extremely different from us. And uh, it's very interesting that the author, after he came back to Earth, uh, talked about the grace, the mm-hmm. little grace that we always talk about. He says that uh, there are greys that uh, implanted certain devices on people on Earth, but not uh, that many, only about 150 or so. He spoke about that in 1995. And he said that uh, the City uh, the, the 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 blonde ETS that took him uh, have been monitoring the activities of the gray aliens that then um, they have been helping us and to make sure that there's there are no damages done on, on us they're mm-hmm. saying that the grays actually came from uh, the planets of the same category category one which is uh, kind of like the bottom of the um, the levels. And they in- So the-
0: those are kind of the cockroach, the troublemakers <laughs> like us. They're, yes. they're not the elevated level. So they're, they're most likely as close to us as we are to them as opposed to this elevated species. So the grays are coming here like we would do in an invasive species that we're investigating, grabbing, dissecting, testing, trying to get an understanding of.
1: That's correct. They did the implants because they wanted to monitor our health. Um, And they say that uh, that's because after 1948, our immune system has been decreasing uh, gradually and the grids wanted to see how we responded to the situation because the Greeks are having the similar issues. Their immune system has been decreasing over time. So they're kind of like a dying species.
0: All right. Why not these benevolent species help us out, help out the greys so that they don't have to get to the level of abduction and implantation?
1: Yes, uh, this is a very good question, because uh, if you like they're like our parents, our mentors, our professors, mm-hmm. they wanted to teach us the principles, the philosophies uh, when you or when I want to teach our children, we don't just give them out the answers directly. For example, three plus five or three times five. We just don't tell them the answers like eight or 15. We show them how to solve the problems. We show them the basic concepts or philosophies. This is what this group of aliens are doing to us. They're teaching us the principles of life.
0: All right, well, now hold on though. So that's where I take... uh issue with those kind of claims and this isn't an attack on you samuel understand i've heard many people are oh, the the aliens are trying to teach us no they're not if they were trying to teach us they would be teaching us they wouldn't be picking one person up every now and again and giving them information and putting them down in an unbelievable situation uh, in order to try to relate this information if they were trying to teach us i would think that there would be a grander scale and easier way especially with as many of us addicted to these little devices that we carry every day they could beam information onto here that would make more sense than cnn fox and and uh, msnbc why not teach us the proper way instead of pulling one frenchman here one hillbilly there one uh you know austrian there and and hoping that they're going to be the jehovah of that moment to go spread the word far and wide and make this revolutionary process take place
1: they're hoping that we are going to wake up ourselves they're helping us uh, in a more indirect way because uh according to them they never they never served a meal on a plate Uh, God helps those who help themselves because um, if they show up in the White House or maybe in front of the White House, they're going to uh, kind of, uh, in a way, just like uh, uh, serving the meal on the plate because. That is not the way they work according to this book. Uh, I know what you're saying, but-
0: uh, Right, and I get what you're saying, it, going back to the parables of Jesus, right? That uh, teach a man to fish, he'll eat forever, give a man to fish and he'll eat tonight, right? In the same sense, Jesus popped up and starts handing out fishes and loaves and turning wine and or water into wine for people. So obviously God was capable of feeding us and, and helping us while he was teaching us. This just seems so, and I, I know I feel and seem aggressive, Samuel, and I don't mean it to be. It's because I'm excited by the concept that I'm trying to wrap my head around it so that I can milk it and make sense of this. Because the most... Uh, irritating thing to me for so long is the tree huggery aliens love story that they want us to evolve man if they've been watching us for ten thousand, twenty thousand 20,000 years they at what point you know at some point i stopped watching soap operas because i realized these are never going to get better it's the same crap the same care they just put new names on old characters and recycle these storylines and that's all we do on this planet is war begin again get strong war, start over, get strong. You know, it's just if I believe if you really wanted to help us show up and start teaching us how to fix the problems instead of picking individuals randomly like a a gentleman who would go on to write novels afterwards and that would make questionable his original book.
1: They did already. Two thousand years ago they sent Jesus to us and see what we did to the Bible. Um, The different councils um, the of the Catholic Church intentionally distorted the messages in the Bible, the original messages in the Bible. And uh, they uh, certainly removed the concept of reincarnation because when this group of E.T. sent Jesus to us, the main purpose was to preach or to teach spirituality and unconditional love. He died on the cross and resurrected three days after. That was mm-hmm. just to show that there's life after death and there is reincarnation. Look at what the Catholic churches did. They removed the concept of reincarnation from the Bible, Mm. and they distorted a lot of the other messages too. And they um, started a lot of wars in the name of God, in the name of Christ, killing thousands of people, and the Spanish Inquisition. And if you talk to the Christians today nowadays, they still deny everything that the Bible was distorted. By the different councils. And this book is very special because it named specifically the five different councils that distorted the, the messages in the original Bible.
0: Okay, but see, that that's my point then. They bring us Jesus, they see that we distort it. Well, obviously then, let's not just trust one man to be able to spread the word. And we see that Man is greedy. And the church is going to want people to continue to come to them to seek answers instead of seeking counsel elsewhere. So they're going to shut down all of these concepts that don't fit tightly and neatly into their little dogma. And with that, you know, the, the church can continue to control us. Wouldn't I would think as a parent, once I saw my kindergartner getting pushed down enough times and the teacher not doing anything about it, I'm going to go confront the teacher and I'm going to say, hey. This isn't the way things are done. This is how we fix this problem. And either you fix it or I'm going to fix it. And if I have to come back in and fix it, there's going to be a lot more problems. You know what I'm saying? So I get the whole parental image. But again, it it feels so tree-huggery and hippie to me that if these are an elevated race, they got to know the end game. We're not bright enough. We're hamsters on a wheel. And we're, we're not getting better, Samuel. I wish we were. But listen, we were on a break. Point. We were at a point where our next evolutionary step was about to come. And then, and then we got these. Oh, and now I need to go show people what I ate for dinner tonight. And I hope I get 500 likes. And oh, no, today I'm vague booking because someone did me wrong. And we're so into this God that we've given up anything else. At what at one point are the aliens either going to stomp us out and start out, shake this giant etch-a-sketch of of a world or come in and go, "Okay, idiots, it's time to clean this up, because obviously we don't have the right teachers in this place for you to learn.
1: You know, you are absolutely right on that. And I really like your analogy. This is really intuitive and I like your uh, ideas uh, very much. And I agree totally 100 percent with you. Before they do anything, they always give warnings. So they did that in the past. They gave warnings to some of the priests uh, mm-hmm. in uh, ancient civilizations. And They gave a lot of warnings. When the warnings didn't didn't work, they killed the the three priests. So this three things in the book, mm-hmm. and then the I think uh, out of the twelve, the other actually they killed they killed everyone but left the three uh, alive. And then they 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 made sure that uh, everyone, all the people uh, lived. And they killed uh, the evil priest, I think uh, the nine evil priests. And they, they gave a lot of warnings before they did that. And I think this book is actually a warning to us that we need to really open our eyes and to see what's really happening around the world. And to wake up and to correct ourselves and to amend ourselves to the right spiritual way of living uh in this world and and think about what's happening around this world like um the wars and also the uh, the pandemic and even licensed medical doctors cannot voice certain things out and mm-hmm. otherwise they uh, censor- they get censored they get censored and i think a lot of things are not really exactly like what they, are, what they appear to be. So we really mm-hmm. need to think uh, independently and, and logically and also need to look uh, for information outside the mainstream media. So this is really, I really enjoy what you've uh, been telling me. And I think this is their warning to us. If we don't... Right, have- but, then,
0: but then looking into that, Samuel, bear with me one more second on here. I'm with you, right? We can't keep going down the same narrative. But then people start falling into QAnon and they start following... Uh, Alex Jones, who shakes his fist and tells you that these school shootings weren't real and they were actors, and now he's lost a $45 million lawsuit, and people followed that moron. They followed him through the valley, and they put death threats into good people who lost their children. That's the problem we have, is going off on our own and finding the news sources. What we end up doing is limiting, because this is my belief system. I'm going to eventually find somebody that feels that way and then i'm going to attach to that belief system that's at least my perception of how it's been and how it continues to be um so i get i get what you're saying on this but it, it seems like when we do try to stray out of the the realm i mean for god's sakes how many more priests have to negatively impact the church before everybody just walks away from organized religion altogether and and it's not. I, I didn't say Catholic because it's not just Catholic priests. It's it's religious leaders worldwide that are abusing their patrons, and not only abusing them physically, mentally, but spiritually, and and milking people for money for their own greed and 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 wants. It's not working, Samuel. Have you? Uh, Again, it's it's passion, I promise, not anger at you or at the the deal, but it's wanting to understand these beings more. And if you are a being of light and love, then this is when we need you most. Today in the news, Putin has no problem nuking, they're saying, and it probably could happen as early as this spring. And if if he feels that the Ukraine is slipping away from him, according to major news reports, he might do the unthinkable. Well, then what is it? North Korea jumps in and says, hey or South Korea, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head, my head is spinning, I'm sorry, but right North Korea, we're going to, you know, we don't have problems if we have to nuke America and South Korea, we'll do it. We'll show you our might. That's in one day, two stories from two different countries saying we do not at all care about human life. We obviously don't even care about our own people. So the rest of you mean nothing to us. That's terrifying.
1: And if you really look behind the scenes, if you really, really look at what's really happening in, in Russia and North Korea, there's a country behind the two. And uh, unfortunately, that country is my home country. And uh, it's not the people, it's the government. So right. I really emphasize and I really um, want to make sure that everyone ha- everyone has to look at uh, what's happening around the world and form you know, her own opinion and to mm-hmm. uh and to really um, to really think intuitively and with and, and common sense. And uh, I really do think that uh, a lot of things are, are really not what they appear to be. I actually translated another book, a book that's titled 334,000 uh, Lies. It's supposedly to be an autobiography of the highest chair of a secret society that started in Germany. It doesn't name names. It doesn't even mention the name of that of that secret society, but I uh, I suppose it's to be the Illuminati, and and I think that is uh, is a book that tells um, a lot of uh, the truth about that specific secret society, how they influenced the world politicians, the world politics, and, um, and certain politicians, and and I think. Um, it's really uh, not that simple if you really look at uh, uh, the mainstream media or the media in, in general. And I do think people have to think independently and form uh, form independent thoughts.
0: Agreed. And uh, like Tabitha had posted in our chat room, right? It's up to us, the individuals, to make this choice. And I, I don't want to, I know it sounds like I've given up on on hope for humanity. I haven't. I've seen, I started the show off talking about prayer and people coming together in instances of good and how it can move mountains. And I believe that. I just see so much despair, so much anguish between people and so much infighting. And, and, and you know, I, I kind of feel like if God came down right now, and started handing out food to the to the people that were starving and water to the people that were thirsty. People would start turning it away and going, what's in it for you? What are you going to Right? People would would be so paranoid and fearful of whatever is being given to them that they wouldn't take it. it is up to us to make these individual choices to make things better. They're nudging things along, but they're doing it like Star Trek, right? And and again, I think this is where a lot of the skepticism comes in. They, they clean us from bacteria. Well, War of the Worlds had that same issue, right? That the aliens came here and died from the common cold the movie signs just splashing with water took him down well you don't take over a planet that's three quarters water if that's the case right there's a that that issue with with all of this sci-fi uh, rhetoric that's involved the, the aliens are not going to come here the prime directive is we can't interfere until they reach a certain level but if you create it if you put us here if you you're part of that evolutionary strain then it seems ridiculous to not be more helpful in this case, and give direction and give information to people that would help make them better. Uh, And I I see people going, oh, do you really believe that they're just abducting one person? They're abducting thousands, right? But thousands are not coming forward, writing books and trying to make a difference. Many are hiding in shame or fear and not talking about their experiences, Uh, right? You get Michelle DeMarquet comes out in his one voice amongst a roaring sea of anger and frustration and and is uh, unfortunately not making a loud enough splash that's why i bring you on a show like this so hopefully we can help the movement we can help these things go forward but if they want us to do this why aren't they why aren't they coming to a dave schrader or a george nori or a a jim harold or a jimmy church that has a platform where people tune in to learn this why aren't they coming to us instead of a Frenchman living in Australia who, you know, is a backpacker. Why, why not come to somebody that has a platform?
1: Well, um, it actually criticizes a lot of the journalists uh, on Earth, saying that they Understandable. they pursue sensationalism and they don't report the facts. There's another more important reason that uh, the author, Michel de Marquet, um, lived 80 lives already previously. Okay. So he's a uh, so-called... Cool which uh, has had uh, 80 past lives. So a so-called can survive on their planet for nine days, um, only for nine days. And uh, other people who have lesser past lives would not have been uh, uh, be able to sustain their, their life forms on that planet. And uh, back to your other question about uh, the solution. This book actually gives a solution, okay. which is... Uh, Um, which is very interesting. It talks about uh, nonviolent resistance being the solution, but it has to be a concerted action. If everyone wakes up, everyone um, kind of um, participates in a strike. If you think about that, in a strike, we, the common people, the poor people, lose little. But the rich people, the power behind the scenes, they lose a lot. So nonviolent resistance is probably what uh, Gandhi did in the past, and it will work for our future, too. And I think um, this book is uh, very unique in the sense that it, it, it to- talks about our realities. Uh, they interfered in the past many times. The story in the Bible, Sodom and Gomorrah, was uh, their intervention. It's not because of Sodomy, as uh, some people may believe. Uh, because pe- It's mainly because people in the two cities were so morally decayed, they punished the good people, people who helped the others, and they kind of uh, were setting a very bad example for others who uh, who had contact with them. So mm-hmm. this group of ETs, the Theobans, decided to distract the two cities. So this is one of their interventions. Besides Jesus Christ, they also they also led Moses out of Egypt. So the story. But doesn't that of Egypt...
0: fly in the face of what you just said to me? It's about peaceful. Uh, solidarity coming together, but the aliens decide they don't like it, so they're just going to wipe it out.
1: Well, they wipe it out the uh, certain people, the people who uh, who had no hope of uh, getting to the, onto the right path. Right, so but they that's thought-
0: subjective, right? That's like it, right What's now. It? If it were up to me, I know a lot of people that are not on the right path. So let's hit that button, <laughs> right? I mean, that's that doesn't mm-hmm. sound like an elevated species to me, Samuel. That sounds like humanity.
1: I mean, it's like parents. Uh, parents have their discretion of uh, punishing their children or guiding their children. They always give them a lot of opportunities or chances. Like we have the three strikes law in, in the legal system, and, and they also give us a lot of uh, uh, hints or, or guidance. Okay.
0: So <laughs> how many strikes are we on with the aliens? At what point are they just going to go, this planet is not salvageable? <laughs>
1: I think we are near to the to the point of uh,
0: <laughs> so do you think then that that when that day comes and the sky breaks and the crafts are hovering that it's an oh shit minute for the planet it's not a good oh shit minute it's this is it this is the end
1: If you look at the Bible if you look at the history in the uh, what happened in the past they did that many times in the past they punished mm-hmm. us many times in the past so I think uh, given their track record, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out someday in the sky and started to really show up and punish us. It really depends on us, how we behave.
0: So they are like parents, right? They're just ruling with fear. Don't do it our way. We're going to destroy you. We'll take it all back.
1: But they're also loving people. Uh, Michel de Marquet felt a lot of love. Um, uh, from them. And uh, Mm -hmm. in fact, uh, the ETs really uh, showed themselves up to one of our ancient civilizations on the continent of Lemuria about uh, 14,500 years ago. So they Mm -hmm. interacted with the people on that planet and then uh, worked with them and helped them and, so uh,
0: Lemuria was a planet, not a, a lost civilization here on Earth like Atlantis.
1: It was a continent. Um, maybe I misspoke. It, it was okay. a continent that actually sunk 14,000 years ago.
0: Okay, right, right. Okay. Yeah. I thought you mentioned it was a planet after that. Maybe I just misread something that you said on there.
1: Right. It, it was actually uh, this Atlantis. It was one of the ancient civilizations that... Uh, um, that was on the continent of uh, Mu or Lemuria. Atlantis was another continent in the Atlantic in the Atlantic Ocean. Lemuria was in the uh, Pacific Ocean. When the continent sunk, a lot of it, a lot of the knowledge was lost. A lot of the secret the secret technologies were lost because the people on that pl- uh, continent didn't pass the knowledge to uh, people on the other continents. So uh, it's very unfortunate that after that happened, we uh, kind of uh, lost a lot of uh, knowledge.
0: Why wouldn't they have saved the good people that could spread the knowledge and put them somewhere to, you know? That, that could put them in power? Do you think that's what Plato was? Do you think Plato was one of those because he was talking about uh, these civilizations? Was was he one that survived somehow, or at least his consciousness into this new vessel trying to right the wrongs of the past?
1: I think Plato definitely knew uh, what happened uh, um, on Atlantis. And I think uh, he. there were a lot of other documents or records or books on Atlantis, but they were lost when the library in Egypt got burned. So Mm -hmm. I think uh, that's kind of happened by accident or maybe on purpose, that uh, the library of Alexandria um, uh, kind of got uh, destroyed. So I think uh, right now it's up to us to recover the knowledge of the past or to continue going to our current path of um, having a lot of conflicts uh, with each other. And I think people really need to wake up and help themselves, help ourselves up, uh, and take the warnings uh, seriously.
0: I I have to take a quick break. We'll come back. I want to cover some of the points, especially I I really liked in your statements on your website, And we do have a link for the book on today's program guide so people can find it and a link to your site. Um, I like the questions that you had. I'm interested that this is what you wanted to know, considering alien races. So maybe we can go over some quick bullet points when we come back on that. Uh, And I don't know if you're listening, Iowa and Wisconsin, the new Sodom and Gomorrah, but you better get yourself together because the aliens are watching. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run, maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time, and the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it if you're like me you think i can get through a lot and we can we're a resilient species however there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else that's what i did with better help Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my Darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on. And if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. Betterhelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Hey, coming up in just two weeks, the Great Gettysburg Battle Bash. That's right. Shane Pittman, myself, will be there along with a host of other fantastic guests. All the money goes to help the Wounded Warriors program in Pennsylvania and Heroes for Hire, helping children that uh, are... um, medically having issues and may not survive so if you want to be a part of this great deal it's 20 bucks at the door when you get there and it's a full weekend of a lot of fun there's music there's paranormal talks there's ghost hunts there's great friends and food and dining so come on out and have a good time in Gettysburg again that's the Gettysburg Battle Bash and that's taking place August 19th through the 21st and I hope to see you out there. All right, our guest this evening Samuel Chung and we are talking to him about um Michelle deMarqué. Now give the title of the book again for us, Samuel. Theoba Prophecy. Theoba Prophecy. We've got a link for that on today's program guide. Let me hit some of these points in the list. First of all, what did this uh, what did this uh, connection have to do with you know when i get picked up by aliens i guess my thoughts would be about what is the universe like what is the galaxy like where what where is our place in the universe not about ghosts but they actually had things to share regarding the spiritual realm and our our forms when our physical form dies right
1: yes exactly regarding ghosts they are made of electrons mm-hmm. and when a person dies physically the astral body leaves the body and survives in nature for Three days and then goes into another cycle, and there are like nineteen percent of the electrons of the earth body that remains on Earth until it's recycled by nature, and that nineteen percent of electrons are the uh, components of the ghosts, and the ghosts because they're made of electrons because of static forces, the electrons form like the person who was alive. And then because electrons also contain memories, the ghosts also contain, also have memories of the things that they uh, loved or hated. So that's why Mm -hmm. we have a lot of uh, haunted activities that happen. So very interesting about this book is this book is very specific about certain facts. It talks about the 81% of the electrons that, Go uh go back to uh to be recycled after three days. It also talks about the nineteen percent of the electrons that remain on Earth until they're recycled by nature. So very specific facts.
0: What what about uh, the fact of of cremation? And I know many religions were against cremation because by destroying the physical vessel, it messes with uh, kind of the constraints of of our spirituality. If the if our body dies and we're we're cremated before the three-day period when those electrons release and go on? Does it affect and impact ourselves?
1: Yes, uh, that has certain reasons, uh, certain, um, like, uh, like certain, re- certain reasons. And also, I think in Tibet, there's a custom that after a person dies, no one is allowed to touch that person for three days. So that's um, kind of um, co- co- corroborates uh, with, uh, this theory of... Uh, uh, three days of uh, remaining uh, remaining on on, on Earth. And well, they used to so- say
0: the wakes would last three days because they were giving the chance that if the doctor was wrong in their diagnosis, it gave you three days to wake up from whatever you had that appeared to to make you look dead
1: yes yeah, so same thing jesus resurrected three days after mm-hmm. so there is a, a theory uh, based on this book is that uh, a person's actual body after leaving the physical body has the opportunity to come back to the physical body if the purpose is for uh, to help others because for example the daughter the son needs the parent Uh, sometimes uh, the person is allowed to come back and to live again. But most of the times they don't want to come back because they they felt so uh, uh, surreal and comfortable and so loving that they want to just leave their physical body forever.
0: That would be, you know, that's an interesting aspect that what 89% or 87% of our electrons move on after three days. Jesus was resurrected after three days. He came back and his own disciples didn't recognize him. Is it because that... 13 percent or whatever missing was enough to alter how he appeared to them
1: well uh this is a very interesting detail that's uh, that's talked about in the book uh, this jesus was one of the uh, aliens in the, uh, on that planet Remember, they're like nine foot tall, they're blonde, and they are hermaphrodites. So mm-hmm. in order to create a Jesus, uh, they have to really use a physical body of a, um, that looked like the Jesus that was born out of Virgin Mary. So there are actually mm-hmm. two Jesus Christs. One born out of Virgin Mary was actually the Jesus um Um, from the embryo implanted by this group of ETs. They implant the embryo just to create this kind of effect that this Jesus was born out of a a very extraordinary way from a virgin, and he was indeed a messiah. So people's attention was paid to this baby Jesus, um, Jesus. But when a person is born uh, no matter how spiritual, how evolved that person is, um, he would have to pass the river of oblivion, oblivion, the river of forgetfulness. So he would forget all the miracles, all the how, he would forget how to perform all the miracles. So this little Jesus born from Virgin Mary couldn't perform miracles. So he traveled to India, uh, traveled to China, and then died in Japan. So there was no record of Jesus performing miracles in the, bo- in, in the Bible before the age of 30. And the Christ that could perform miracles was actually one of the Theobans who uh, entered the body of uh, of this Jesus. Um, and then because... Uh, so it was to... a
0: walk-in as we talk about it in the yeah. supernatural realm.
1: Yes, yes, a walk-in okay. exactly. And he so was this... able to remember everything.
0: He was an avatar of yes, this exactly. alien being entering this physical form so that he could do the miracles. So Jesus was, in fact, two different—one one vehicle, two different drivers.
1: That's correct. So this okay. is why in the book of—I um, think in the in the New Testament, in the Bible, when Jesus saw his mother, he didn't call his mother mother. He called his mother woman. I'm a linguist. I, I'm a certified court interpreter. I know languages. Mm-hmm. In all the languages in the world, not a single language would call a person's mother woman. So this tells you something. So the Bible has a lot of discrepancies and and something just really didn't connect me when I first read the Bible until I read this book, Theobah's Prophecy. It connects all the dots.
0: Time travel. Does it exist? Can we do it?
1: Yes, we can go back in time. It talks about a time machine being developed by by the U.S. government. And uh, remember this book written in the late 80s. Uh, spoke about time travel or time machine. And uh, it made me think about the Philadelphia experiment. It talks Mm -hmm. about time travel, um, of using, uh, of matching the vibrations of uh, a kind of a cocoon which documents all the things that happen on a planet. Uh, It's more like a cocoon that travels seven times the speed of light And uh, people who practice certain meditation can really go back into the history of time and to enter the Akashic records and to see what happened in the past. So
0: they're not they're not doing it in a physical way like uh, H.G. Wells stepping into a time machine. They are theoretically they're they're time traveling within their own mind, within their own physical realm, like remote viewing, basically.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, this okay. is uh, what the time machine is about. Okay. And and also talking about the future, future is undetermined. It really depends on our free free will. We have our own free will. We also have uh, certain uh, things planned in our lives. Uh, but it's a combination. You know, time
0: time travel would make a lot of sense, Samuel, because it sure feels like somebody keeps going back and trying to fix stuff, and it just keeps getting worse. Right. Like every sci fi movie, you you alter too many things and and things go chaotic. You know, we've got monkeypox and killer wasps and war and pestilence and and race riots and insanity. It seems like somebody keeps trying to go back and they just keep stirring up the muck at the bottom of the pond, mixing it up. Is that what's happening right now? Are we in a a, a kind of a nexus point of too many cooks in the kitchen?
1: I would uh, strongly suggest people, speaking of uh, monkeypox and also the pandemic, I would strongly suggest people to look into my home country and to see what uh, the government was doing. And I think uh, I cannot elaborate more because uh, this is on YouTube, Um, but people should really do their own investigations and to see what my country was doing behind the scenes, making all this mess.
0: Okay. All right. Do you believe that there are different countries that are aligned with different races of alien beings that may be?
1: I I do believe creating so,
0: but, this, yeah.
1: Uh, not creating this. I don't think this is created by the ETs. They're created by people.
0: Um, right, but are the ETs pulling strings and? You know, like you've got the Greys, you've got the Reptilians, you've got some of the lower level entities. Are they promising your country certain things in exchange for them mucking about and doing what they're doing?
1: I I think the U.S. government is collaborating with the Greys and to get their technologies. But I don't think the Greys would dare to really interfere in a very negative way uh, to us because uh, they're also watchers uh, Mm -hmm. as the book of Enoch says the watchers are protecting us. And I think the watchers are the Theobans who have helped us in the past.
0: What about uh, places of high strangeness like uh, the Bermuda Triangle? Is there something to that or is it just natural phenomena occurring and we're, we're misrepresenting it?
1: It is a natural phenomena According to this book, it's uh, like a portal or some kind of... Uh, um, a connection point to a parallel universe. Ships and planes missing, m- missing in the Bermuda Triangle areas because they got sucked into a parallel universe. In a parallel universe, there's a, a description in the book saying that the uh, time stops over there. And so, when the author was in the parallel universe, he saw people from the medieval times, and people from the ancient times too, the uh, kind of uh, savages. And, um, and I think uh, the theory of uh, parallel universe explains a lot of the missing people in the national parks as documented by uh, David Paulides. And uh, people in, in the mountains or in high latitude places, they got sucked into this kind of uh, spheres of parallel universe, because they float around in certain areas. They, keeps, they keep moving around uh, in, in certain attitude And and there are also strange cases of uh, people who just got vanished um, uh, in in different places. And I think this is a very plausible theory.
0: All right. Uh, In the work that you did in uncovering this history and sitting down with Michelle and and discussing this for yourself, what was your biggest takeaway? And I do have a few pictures I'd like to show of Michelle while we're discussing this. Uh, you, You did get a chance to meet him in what year?
1: Yes, uh, uh, two times, twice. Once uh, was four years ago. Once was uh, six years ago. Um, so that was in two thousand eighteen and two thousand sixteen. The first time I was uh, looking for him was um, he mentioned in his uh, postscript that he had more astonishing, incredible, incredible things um, that he wasn't allowed to write in the book that people were are far from understanding those facts. So I was very curious about that because I thought this book is really amazing and incredible enough. What's more Mm -hmm. incredible that he was not allowed to write in the book. So I took the trip to Vietnam where he was living at that time. It was a very big investment to me, spending a few thousand dollars flying from Los Angeles to a remote place in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know exactly where he was living in that city. I I just took the chance and showing the photo of his bungalow to the taxi driver when after I landed on that uh, in, in that city, and um, the second try, the taxi driver to where he was living at that time, but he really didn't tell me that thing he wasn't allowed to write in the book, and uh,
0: he, he did not share that with you.
1: The first time when I when I visited him, okay. he asked me to have the book published in China. Uh, I was trying to. Uh, kind of pleased him and I took the uh, the offer and I uh, made a book uh, published in both China and Taiwan. And the book got published and became a very, uh, bestseller. And then before, actually before it they, they got published in China, I received an email from him saying that, Samuel, I don't know how they knew about it. Uh, they sent me a telepathic message saying mm-hmm. that I'm able to tell you the one thing that I wasn't allowed to write in the book, but okay. you have to come here in person. I have to tell you personally. So I flew back the second time in uh, 2018. And then within five minutes after meeting him, he put me aside and told me that fact, that one thing, uh, it was a very, uh, serious message a very specific message. And I really like your show because you really <sighs> talked about why they just don't show up. Mm-hmm. Um, through this book, they're giving us uh, kind of like a final warning, telling us to get ourself, um, to, to to the right path. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we're gonna face a lot of uh, consequences. So I really think that uh, people should take this book seriously, especially the messages in the book seriously.
0: Is there a deadline, Samuel? Has he Did he lay it out that it would be within the next 10 years, 20 years?
1: Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about it, but there is definitely a deadline. Um, this is why I'm so, so um, getting myself. Can you, can
0: you tell me it. this? Do you believe that it's within your lifetime? Yes. Can you at least is. okay? So that if we don't have our, ourselves aligned, that's scary. Looking especially at what a, a twisted world we're in right now. Samuel, do you have much hope for humanity?
1: I do have a lot of hope. A lot of people are waking up after, especially after reading this book. So right now, I'm trying to contact a lot of um, internet influencers like uh, mm-hmm. Jeremy Corbell, like Joe Rogan, like mm-hmm. the Ancient Aliens show. Especially some of the most uh, influential people on the mainstream in the in the mainstream media, and I'm trying to do everything I can to get the words out, and mm-hmm. I'm asking for your help and the help from the audience.
0: Well, you've done your part sharing with us here tonight, and I will do my part behind the scenes to push you into directions to hopefully get you heard elsewhere and give this story out. Um, I, I like the fact that I guess you were given kind of a detail that is frightening, but you feel hope that yes, that's exactly. something that, you know, I feel good about at least.
1: Yes. Our life is about uh, learning how to learn to respond to the life challenges. And this is a very valuable lesson, a spiritual lesson that we need to take seriously. and But also we have to uh, watch out for the realities and also have to uh, learn yes what's happening around the world. And I really do want people to read this book to see if um, this book means anything to them. Some people read it like uh, science fiction. That's fine. Some people take it very seriously and very glad that people feel that way.
0: Um, hey, listen, si- Star Wars is science fiction and people treat it like a religion. Star Trek is science fiction, but treated like a religion. There's no harm in finding good in the message of any tome whether it's meant to be nothing more than a fact or, or you know, a a book of fables or something to entertain. If there's something there that resonates with you that can make your life and other people's lives better, that's that's what you need to stick to. You know, that was a one piece of of advice my grandfather gave to me that has always stuck with me is wherever you go, leave that place just a little bit better than you found it.
1: Yes. And remember, after we die, we go through a life reveal process. So we are going to feel how other people felt. We're going to reveal our lifetime, our accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And we are our own judges. We determine how we did. We give ourselves a score. No one else judges us but ourselves.
0: Something to consider, folks. Samuel, thank you for spending this time with us this evening and being here to share the information that Michelle put together and and the history that you gleaned from your meetings with him as well.
1: Thank you very much for having me here.
0: Pleasure. Fascinating talk, interesting concepts. Samuel Trong brought us some thought provoking thoughts and, and ideas tonight that the possibilities of our history and place in the universe are fascinating to consider. So, whether you believe the tales of Michelle de Marquet or, or not, that's not the important thing. What is important is realizing that limiting your thoughts to one paradigm is limiting and suffocating your soul. True living is in exploring new thought, new ideas, and the concepts that others believe. I hope tonight you opened up a bit more and feel the need to press on and seek answers outside conventional means. I'd like to thank my guest, Samuel Chong, and through him, Michelle DeMarquet. Follow their work through the links I provided on tonight's show and read the book. Judge for yourself. Thank you all for visiting the Paranormal 60 and allowing me along on your journey. It means a lot to me, and I care that you think enough of me to let me into your world. May the darkness be just a little more light with the information that we shared here, and may the night skies forever be filled with wonder for you. Make sure to like this video and the podcast, subscribe, tell everybody you know about it, and don't just subscribe, listen, share, and rate and review. That always helps me a lot as well. We'll see you again next week here with the Paranormal 60 and this Friday with the Paranormal 60 newscast. This program is a part of the UnX Network. Check out UnX for other great programs just like this.